You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Well, I think, you know, one of the big goals in spring practice is, you know, to establish, you know, some of the intangible things that are really important, I think, to having a successful team. Um, You know, the work ethic with the players has been good in the offseason. The work ethic in the practice so far has been good. All right, but also developing the kind of discipline, you know, on your team, whether it's self-discipline, uh, individuals making, you know, good choices and decisions about what they do and what they don't do, because I, I think that's important to being able to play with discipline on the field, uh, because you're a disciplined person. You're a disciplined person. When you get up at 8 o'clock in the morning, you make good choices and decisions uh, as a person, as a student, and as a player, and it becomes a part of who you are, so... Uh, I think that's something that we continue to work on uh, with our players. Um, we have a lot of really good people on our team. Uh, I think leadership is something that um, we continue to work on with our team. But, you know, sometimes leadership, um, you know, sort of comes to the top, you know, when it's needed. Uh, and I think that the time that leadership really shows itself on a team is when the coaches aren't always involved, and that usually happens in the summer. So, um, we'll kind of see how that develops when the time comes. But the last three practices we've had since I talked to you have all been in pads. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, we've been able to work a lot on fundamentals, uh, which I think has, you know, come along very nicely. And um, I'm not satisfied with the progress that we made as a team. Uh, but I think what will really be interesting in the next, in the first scrimmage is – and because we have so many young players here, you know, basically all the freshmen that we had last year, plus the 15 new guys that we have uh, that came in as mid-year. So we have a lot of really young players on the team. So it'll be interesting to see how they do in the scrimmage on Saturday when there's no coach standing on the field telling them what to do, all right, which I've talked about this before. You know, it's important that guys have enough confidence, uh, not only in what they're supposed they're supposed to do, but how they're supposed to do it and why it's important to do it that way. So we'll keep working on that. And, um, you know, Thursday's practice will be, you know, a lot of situational stuff that we'll want to practice in a scrimmage, whether it's, you know, two minute, we did goal line today. We did short yardage last practice. Uh, you know, we'll do things like coming out, things like that, that we just want to make sure we hit those situations as we go. Uh, we've been able to continue to make progress in the kicking game. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with uh, the way the players have gone about what they're doing to try to improve. We're not satisfied with where we are, so we want to continue to work hard to get better. Okay, Coach, we'll start with Charlie Potter. Charlie, go ahead. Hey, Coach, just wanted to ask you about the cornerback position. Just what have you seen from that group so far? And You mentioned the young guys, just how those guys have developed. Well, I think everybody's made a lot of improvement. You know, Bryce has made a lot of improvement. I think he's a lot more confident. Um, I think I've talked about this before that, uh, you know, we wanted to play Bryce a lot more than he got to play last year. I think the situation, the circumstances, playing 10 SEC games um, and being in the playoffs, probably didn't get an SEC championship game in the playoffs, didn't get as much chance to do that as we've done in the past with, you know, developing quarterbacks. But I think just having all the reps that he had last year, he's much more confident. I think he's, he's doing very well. Um, you know, Paul has made a tremendous amount of improvement. Um, I think Jalen uh, has a lot of upside. You know, right now we got to work on his fundamentals and his technique, but uh, he's really got a lot of ability, and we're going to try to continue to work with him to develop and, you know, see if he can have a role on the team. So, um, you know, all the guys have made progress, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond, you know, in the scrimmage as well. We'll go to Michael Casagrande. Yeah, you mentioned the younger guys heading into the scrimmage. Is that something uh, you can see in practices where you can kind of tell who's going to be able to perform well in a scrimmage, or is it something that, that when you get there it can be kind of a roll of a dice? Well, I, I think that you have a good idea. Um, sometimes you get surprised both ways. You know, guys that do well in practice um, and you think they got it, they get in the scrimmage and just completely go, you know, sort of rat trap on you. And then there's other guys that um, – you know, didn't practice all that great and you're really questioning whether they know what to do. And when they get in a competitive situation, they actually do better. Um, so, you know, that's something that you cannot always judge, you know, how a guy is going to do when he gets in a competitive situation. You know, some guys get anxious and 
you know, they get frustrated easily and it affects their performance. And other guys are, you know, they, they welcome the challenge and they're, they're not bothered by uh, good, bad, or indifferent. And they just keep playing the next play and they actually do better. So, um, but for the most part, I think you kind of know who's ready and who's not. Okay, we'll go to Aaron Settles. When you have players that come from a great high school program or, or played for a great high school coach, um, as young players, what are signs that you see that sort of reveal that? Uh, you know, I think most of those guys know what it takes to win uh, because they've been in winning programs. Uh, so they understand um, process. They understand, you know, the things that they have to do day in and day out uh, to be successful. You know, guys that have a lot of talent and ability that, but really didn't play in good programs, you know, and had success just because they were better than everybody else. I think it's a work in progress sometimes to get them to understand that doing things the right way, uh, that they're they're not going to necessarily have the same success against the level of competition now that they had when they were in high school if they don't do things correctly. But sometimes it's a little harder to convince them uh, and because they don't really have, you know, any experience in that. But uh, when guys come from good programs, they usually know what it takes uh, from a work ethic standpoint, from an intangible standpoint, discipline, toughness, you know, be, being responsible to do their job, finishing plays, giving effort, you know, a lot of those kind of things. They know what it takes because that's what they grew up with and that's uh, what they're used to doing. We'll go to Tony. You've talked in the past about, you know, the wide receiver position being kind of like a basketball team. Do you find that you have that balance a lot more this season after bringing in two big guys? It seems like you have kind of more balance in the size of your receivers. Um, you know, but I wouldn't trade the guys that we've lost the last two years for anybody. Probably all of them first-round draft picks. So I don't know that anybody that's here right now has earned the right to be a first-round draft pick. Maybe Jonathan Mechie, and he's not really practicing this spring, so I'm not really counting him. Uh, so these guys all got to prove themselves. And, um, you know, I think speed – kills on the football field and um on the highway so um i love to have speed guys we have some big guys but we, we got to get some speed guys too okay we'll wrap up with two follow us charlie and then michael yeah coach just uh, the corners just what have you seen from them so far and have those young guys there come along well josh has you know had knows what he's doing he's confident doing what he's you know, supposed to do. Uh, Jaden Armour Davis has done a nice job so far. Um, you know, Marcus Banks has done a, a pretty good job. He's been, he's had a little bit of a calf problem, so he's a little bit been in and out, but when he plays and he's been able to practice, he's done a nice job. Uh, Kool-Aid is picking things up and, you know, it seems to be coming along. So, um, you know, kind of anxious to see how those guys do when, when, when the, the fur flies too. Okay, we'll wrap up with Michael. Yeah, just I know you're a basketball guy. Just wondered how much you got to to watch this Alabama basketball team and what stood out about the transformation uh, of the program and the culture surrounding it. Yeah, well, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, what I admire the most about our basketball team this year, and I think I've mentioned it before, is you know the way they competed, how hard they played, um, and how they came back in games. They won some really close games, you know, tough games, uh, really good mental toughness. I mean, to come back in a game like they came back in the other day. You know, I have, um, you know, we just seemed a little out of sorts, you, you know, uh, in the game the other day, which I don't really know why. Yeah, but, um, you know, the guys played hard. They competed hard. And I really have a tremendous amount of respect for that. And I think, uh, you know, the culture of that program, um, because of what, you know, Coach Oates has done, uh, really had, you know, shine through this year and the way that team played, the way they improved, the way they competed, the way they played together. And I think all those things are critical factors in having a successful program. And I think, you know, that's what a lot of players want to be involved in too. Uh, so hopefully that'll help help us in recruiting uh, to get some really good players for the future. I know we got some good young players on our team and uh, to compliment them. And, you know, but I, I was really, really proud of, you know, the way our basketball team played and, um, you know, it's just like when we lost, you know, in the end, sometimes you, you never want to waste a failing. Um, and then you want to go to work on what you have to do and prove. But, um, 
you know, but you also have to understand what you accomplished as a team and what you established as a team in terms of the success that you had. And I think this team uh, was something that everybody um, was very, very proud of the way they competed all year long. All right. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. So there it is, uh, Coach Nick Saban uh, finishing up a conversation. That was a post-practice press conference. Uh, we're going to continue. Jr. I'm going to squeeze you in on the other side. I'm not going to squeeze you in. I'm going to give you plenty of time, and that's why I'm going to do that. I'll take Jr. on the other side, Ellis, Manchester, Tennessee. We're also going to replay Randy Mueller, which is the general manager uh, with Nick Saban down in Miami. We'll replay that at the bottom uh, coming up right here on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. It's happened again in Alabama. A tornado emergency. One local radio company's stations broke in with life-saving information to help protect you and your family. That company was our company, Town Square Media. And here on Tide 100.9, we stand committed to do our part for the city and towns we love. When tornadoes touch down in Tuscaloosa, count on Tide 100.9 every time. Panda. You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey, Brian, I thought you were replaying I-Man's phone call. Sounded like it, huh? I thought that's what you were doing. Hey, we've had a lot of fun today. Man, we had Mac Jones' quarterback coach, uh, David Morris, on at 430. That was a lot of fun to be able to visit with him. Uh, we had Matt Miller, which is NFL Draft Scout, ESPN Draft Analyst, uh, Mike Dettelier. We also had a chance to talk with Anthony Tresh. Uh, so we've been a lot about Alabama's pro day. Uh, we're going to be with you until 7 o'clock, and then we're going to turn it over to Title Talk and uh, all those guys uh, we'll get you the rest of the way home. Let's go to Jr. Jr. Coker, Alabama. Jr. Good afternoon, my friend. You're in the game. Well, good afternoon, Ryan. Yeah. What did you think about what Nick Saban said? Well, that's what I was going to touch on. I okay. think he had a good report, and um, I was uh, glad to hear a lot of what he he spoke on some of the improvements of some of the players, and you know that's to be expected. And uh, but um, I didn't hear anything you know mentioned about any of the uh, you know, injury reports, and maybe that's a good thing too. Maybe the injuries are kind of well. I think he what he did is he he gave us an injury report going into uh, spring practice, and he pretty much laid it out there that he wasn't going to talk about this every single press conference. Well, that's good. That's good. So, well, what I mean, at least when he doesn't say anything, that means there's no current nothing. You know, that just happened. Sure. Anyway, yeah, right, so that's right. good news. That's good news. Yeah. So we've been uh, pretty good, and I thought he was talking about uh, you know Bryce Young progressing. Uh, as a player, that was good, and uh, you know had a comment for all these guys. Yeah, I mean the, the, the quarterback competition, of course, is everybody's main interest. But uh, yeah, I, I really like to kind of keep an eye on the uh, offensive line and yeah, how they're too. how they're gelling, and you know, and and, and seeing who's going to be in the lineup there. Well, I don't know. I don't know if there's another show in the country that features more offensive linemen than we do. Exactly. Uh, you know, we appreciate the, the big nasties, man. It is the key to our success. Well, and, and we love talking about food with the big nasties too. I mean, because they know a lot about food too. You know what I mean? I mean, they. Yeah, yeah. When they talk about the offensive line, they have their own food truck. Yeah, I, I would. Ha- How would you like to know that you had to buy groceries for that bunch that was at Alabama this past year? <laughs> yeah. That would be a that would be a mess. I mean, cornbread at three sixty. Evan Neal probably uh, three fifty five. Uh, Alex Leatherwood was like the smallest guy out there, and he's three twenty. I saw one of them guys in practice, and I mean, he didn't. They didn't have a shirt big enough for the guy. <laughs> yeah. he was he was rolling out of it in every direction. <laughs> I mean, maybe that would be a good guess of what what would it really charge to 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 pay the grocery bill for one week to feed these guys? Yeah, how would you know? I mean. Good gracious! Yeah, I mean, you, that that would be just an impossible thing to keep up with because you know they they pretty much give them what they want. I think in the way if they want a pork roast, then give them a whole pork roast. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have a plan, but uh, it's not like our plan, Jr. Where we, you know, because uh, 
you know, some of the guys trying to trim back. They, you know, Deontay Brown was always, you know, on the fat man diet. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, they they have a, they have a dietitian, you know, or whatever. Sure, I mean, it's it. it's all down to the science, man. How, and how crazy so they it is. they do it like scientifically, exactly. Well, I heard you mention something a while ago, and that's what got me calling. Okay. Uh, he said, call, he said, Jr. If you're listening, and you were talking about predictions and prizes and stuff like that. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I, I hadn't thought a whole lot more about it since we spoke about it. What you were mentioning that I said something about during spring practice and all that, doing a contest uh, during during spring training, I mean, and then the A day game. So I think that's a good thing to aim, to aim towards right there is like during during the week of, uh, you know, when they're going to have the A-Day game. And when is that? Yeah, it's April 17th. So we're 18 days away, brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, alabamacu.com, reminding us we're also 158 away from Alabama-Miami. Great. I knew you could say all that real quickly. But that's why I primed you up for that one. But, um. Anyway, yeah, the uh, A-Day game, you know, like predictions of a score, of course, and it'd be Crimson well, yeah, and but, White. But, but, but see, that's, Crimson and White. I know you could say Alabama and go, yeah, well, Alabama won. <laughs> but no, I'm talking about Crimson and White. And I know that it has, it's just the same thing, you know. Well, let me tell you what I'm thinking about doing, Jr. And, and see, that's short term. That's only last a few days. I want to... I want to stretch it out and do like what we did for the season, and where I can make it a big and you know special. Oh gift yeah, package. I like that idea too. Yeah, I have nothing against. Well, I, mean, I, I I thought about what we could do is we could do, um, you know, who brings the most, you know, because we we are a talk radio. We're a two way street. It's not a one way. Uh, you know, I talk, you listen, you talk, I listen. So it's a two way street, right? I mean, we have a, uh, yeah. you know, a dialogue back and forth. I thought about maybe we could do the caller of the day or caller of the week, and then. You know, we'll give away a weekly prize package, but then yeah. at the end, uh, whoever qualified throughout the week, maybe we could give away the uh, the big package that way. I mean, just something that uh, a chance to, yeah. I don't know, just throw it up against the wall. I mean, we could do what you're saying and maybe combine all of it. Yeah, cause I was going to say, I, I, I don't think I'd ever get the caller of the week, you know, because, I mean, I've just listened to some of your uh, callers that call in, and they're just fantastic. Some of them are just they know their game. They know the game about football, and they know how to bring up all the nitty gritty. That you, it's really interesting, and I, and I just only wish I could. Well, uh, I, I wouldn't say that you would never. Uh, we talked to a guy about uh, four fifty five that uh, he he may never be the uh, caller of the week. <laughs> I heard about that. I didn't hear it. Heck, you know. Uh, I mean, I'm an unbiased guy, but. Uh, you know, based on based on that seven minutes and thirty seconds, I was I thought we were going somewhere, but I was like, okay, when are we going to get there? And then it, and then at eight minutes, I was like, okay, we're 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 out. We we cannot continue this any longer. Uh, did you just cut him off, or did I, he? Did you... No, I mean he signed out. He signed out, but it was, uh, yeah, it was it was. I mean, it was bad. Hey, yeah, I always I always used to give Rusty a hard time, but I hadn't really had much. Much, much. I ain't heard him a whole lot. Well, he, but anyway, he, maybe he's losing it. Maybe Father Tom is catching up with our man. <laughs> Could be. But anyway, I, I appreciate the time you spent with me here, and um, I'll be uh, I'll be calling in, and I'll I'll do my best to try to get in a good call. <laughs> All right, thank you, Jr. We appreciate right. you, man. Uh, you. We continue. We're going to replay the general manager, Randy Mueller, who was uh, Nick Saban's general manager in Miami. Uh, coming up in a couple of minutes. It was a lot of fun to get a visit with him. Let's go to Ellis, Manchester, Tennessee. Ellis, good afternoon, man. You're in the game. It was good to hear the coach today. It was. It was. Always. The best coach in the whole wide world. Yes, it is. He He's a pretty uh, pretty, pretty good one, man. Yeah. Um, just ready for uh, – I'm hoping I can uh, – how they do you know how about how they gonna do about that? Uh, no, well, yeah, the, uh, we're they're gonna go on sale for the general public. Uh, I think it's April the ninth, ninth or tenth. It's rolltide dot com. So uh, five dollars for some of the seats and ten dollars for some of the other ones. Uh, good deal because I gotta do that. Yeah, April April the ninth. Are you are you coming? I mean, if you can get a ticket, if I can get a ticket. 
if I don't get a ticket, I still might come. Like I do when I come down there to the ball games. If I got a ticket, I just still come down and hang out. Yeah. I got you. Uh, well. But uh, they got the, they're gonna have they're gonna have the big music festival this year, Ryan. Really? I got you. Yeah. September the second through the field. Well, that's incredible. Uh, good. And the NFL is trying to get back to a hundred percent. So maybe we're uh, we're walking toward getting back to that, and maybe we'll walk into Bryant Denny Stadium. It'll be a hundred percent coming up uh, in the fall. Yeah, and we get to see them crimson lights in there at night. You like those? Uh, I don't like them. I love them. Tell you what, man, um, it's it's kind of fun to see them uh, doing all the different, you know, graphics and different things that they're doing. Yeah, but uh, I'd I'd like for uh, prayers for a friend of mine that uh, lost her son. Oh man! Uh, yesterday and. Uh, just uh, this prayers forward to this person I know, and uh, really awful. Uh, so, uh, and then I got my mother's husband is not doing too good. He's a uh, congested heart failure, oh, so man. it's any time, any time for him to to leave. You know, so I will. But, I, I uh, will do that. I'm sure there's many other people that will join us, uh, Ellis. I appreciate your phone call, man. But, uh, yeah, and I'm like you. I don't know what, uh, uh, something's wrong with, uh, your buddy, I man there. Yeah, I think Father Time has caught up with him. I, I think he's slipping. Something caught up. I mean, up Father with Time him. caught up with Michael Jordan. It'll catch up with him as well. It's, it's obvious. It's, yeah. yeah. He, he, he was slipping. I'll let you go you get somebody else. Well, I gotta, I gotta get ready for this, uh, replay of Randy Mueller, which is, uh, I don't know if you heard it last week, but, man, this guy was incredible. It was Nick Saban's uh, general manager of Miami. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I didn't. I ain't heard it. Well, yeah, they talked about Drew Brees, which was the huge match. Uh, You know, if if they could have landed him in Miami, the dynasty of Mad never got started in Tuscaloosa. That's what we've always heard. Well, and he's going to explain why. So that will be coming up in a couple of minutes. All right, Ryan. Roll Tide, Ellis. I appreciate you, man. Roll Tide, Ryan. Absolutely. We'll come back with more right here on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Have you? Hot! Is Elsie having some fun? Have some fun, man. Talking Alabama Crimson Tide football on Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Like Grandma and Grandpa used to play. Love Alabama. Then I float on down the river to Cajun Hideaway. Come on. I don't think there'll never be another Alabama. Those boys from Fort Payne, Alabama, know how to get it done. Little Twang Tuesday. Uh, we're going to spend about four minutes here with uh, Tony, and then we're going to go to break, and we'll replay Randy Mueller, which was the general manager in the Miami Dolphins organization uh, with Coach Nick Saban. Uh, Tony, good afternoon, my friend. You're in the game. Roll tight. Roll tight. Now, look, you can do the easy thing. And just throw on some Randy Mueller interview and get out of the radio booth and go home. I know, I know what you're doing. You're not throwing me. You, you cut it out. Hold on. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. But if you want to hold on to the ratings instead of everyone turning it off, just have Brian and me talk for the next 30 minutes. We'll take phone calls. All right, I'm out of here. Y'all, y'all, y'all wrap it up. I need you now. Let's wrap it up. We don't know what gives a flip about Randy Mueller. Mueller. <laughs> he was. He was. Trust me. Have Mueller. you heard? 
Have you heard the interview? Uh, yeah, he sounds like a 16-year-old kid talking, real high-pitched voice. Sounds like a real footballer. Sounds like a real player. No, whatever, he, he was Nick Saban, he's general manager. An Ivy, he's an Ivy League guy. He got thrown at that, and, you know, and he got to make him a little name for himself. No, I'm kidding. He actually, it actually really is a good interview. It is good. Well, no one's going to hear it because Brian and I are going to take the show over, and we're going to run through the next Unless they've got something well, you, else lined up. Yeah, you, you, you better get a good cell phone if you're going to do that. Yeah, I'll have to take okay, the reins of Tony's like this. I mean, it sounds oh, like you... How about now? How about now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, better. You know, you, know worst, you know the worst place for cell phone coverage? Uh, Tuscaloosa. Downtown, downtown Birmingham. Oh, no, d- downtown Tuscaloosa is pretty bad too, man. Yeah, but you can, it takes a little while to drive across downtown Birmingham. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, it's, not, it's not three stoplights. Three or four stoplights. Hey, we have a Hardee's. No, no, no. Tuscaloosa has everything but a, but a, but a Whole Foods. It has everything but a Whole Foods. And I don't think we need a Whole Foods. Hey, did you... Uh, maybe, on, maybe on campus. Did you hear where Auburn's bass team has been suspended? Oh. <laughs> Is that not beautiful? It is. Yes, Wait, it is. Let me ask you something. Honestly, honestly, are you surprised? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not one bit. I mean, is anyone surprised? No. Oh, no. it's beautiful. Do they have a bowling team? Uh, don't know. Don't know. <laughs> if they do, they're next. But... If they, if they do, they're next. Hey, you know Howard Schnellenberger? Yes. You know, you know, him passing. I mean, I'm a, that's pretty monumental when you start talking about the last links to Brian. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and he's an icon and a real unique individual or was. I did not realize he was the offensive coordinator for the undefeated Dolphins. Yes, he was. Yep, 1972. The offensive coordinator for the only team to ever go undefeated in the NFL. Yep. Now, I, I, I'm a sports judge. And, and we're just about out of time here, Tony, in front of What Brian, is it? Where are you, Bueller? Yeah, we gotta go to Randy Bueller. 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 Mueller. Bueller. Mueller. Bueller. Bueller. There's a book written about Bob Greasy. Actually, it's about Jim Chick. I got like thirty seconds. Larry, Larry Zaga, Paul Warfield, and Bob Greasy. What's it called? The year they went undefeated. I don't know, but it is about. It is. Unbelievable! It's behind the scenes and how much they used to party and have no idea where they were on Sunday morning with the cab taking them to the stadium <laughs> and going into the media. Yep. It is an unbelievable book, and they talk about they talk about Shula, and they, and they had to run Tony, everybody on the What? I gotta go to Randy Mueller. If not, I'm gonna be messed up. Mueller. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. Roll tide. Roll tide. Randy Mueller, the general manager uh, who worked for Coach Nick Saban down in Miami, is next. Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. It's happened again in Alabama. A tornado emergency. One local radio company stations broke in with life-saving information to help protect you and your family. That company was our company, Town Square Media. And here on Tide 100.9, we stand committed to do our part for the city and towns we love. When tornadoes touch down in Tuscaloosa, count on Tide 100.9 every time. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy with a few scattered rain showers through tonight. The high today 79, tonight's low 66. Tomorrow, showers and strong thunderstorms are likely. Storms could produce high winds as they pass through. Colder temperatures falling through the 50s by afternoon. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The host of the game, Ryan Fowler, and the host of the Martin Houston Show, Martin Houston, have combined to offer a show filled with in-depth analysis of Alabama football and more. Alabama Tradition broadcasts live on Tide 100.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. and is available live and on playback on numerous affiliates around the Southeast. Check out alabamatradition.com for a list of affiliates as well as other great content. I am so excited about our next guest because I love talking, you know, what it takes to perform at the high level. And this guy understands that uh, he has been a pro personnel assistant, a director, a vice president of football operations. He was a general manager for the New Orleans Saints. He was also a general manager for the Miami Dolphins. It just so happens that there was a guy that was the head coach that we may know a lot about. Nick Saban was there. Uh, Randy Mueller, welcome back to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I hope you're having a great day, sir. I'm doing great, guys. It sounds like I'm a little better off than you. I apologize for that weather. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And I was actually calling you to cancel the interview, and (laughs) my boss looked at me, and I thought he was playing a prank on me, and I looked over, and and he was pretending, and I, I said, no, he's actually real. He's, he's actually real. He's like, we're getting back on the air immediately. And I said, okay, uh, then forget about my cancellation. Let's move on with the conversation. But, uh, Randy, I, I just got to get into a lot of different things. I mean, I, I, I'm so looking forward to kind of picking your brain and just kind of talking some football with us. But uh, just kind of lay out. I mean, your, your credentials speak for itself. But how did you get involved with the game, and how did you become so engaged in the administration side of building a football team? You know, I, I think it was fortunate. Um, I was lucky, and I think most people with careers like that, they have to have a little luck and fortune on their side. I grew up in a little logging town in northern Idaho, 2,000 people, and the Seahawks had their training camp about an hour from my hometown in a little town called Cheney, Washington. It's in eastern Washington on the north Idaho border. And one summer I got a job as a ball boy over there. Don't know how, can't really figure out why they picked a guy like me, but I was a junior in high school at the time, and and it was a great opportunity for me. So I was a ball boy for a couple of years. I went back all through college every summer. I played at a little school in Oregon, won a national championship as their quarterback. And lucky enough, when I got out of school, the Seahawks hired me full-time because I had been there five years already in the summertime. So I kind of parlayed one thing into another, and 15 years later, uh, I was the boss. So it's a crazy story, but you just never know. If you keep doing your job, keep your head down, keep making the guys above you look good, who knows what can happen? So well, that's kind of my story. It's been kind of fun ever since. I've been working for a living. No, no. Listen, man, when you can be involved with sports and you can have a chance to uh, to dive into a lot of different conversations, and uh, certainly we want to do that. Uh, as we're leading into the NFL draft, we kind of want to cover that a little bit for just a couple of minutes. A lot of these Alabama guys uh, come through this system, and, and we watch dreams come true. We watch high school to college, and that's dream number one, and then the dream to play Sunday afternoon. Uh, but when you look at an Alabama guy and you're trying to develop an Alabama guy or draft an Alabama guy, uh, when you see what comes through the Nick Saban system, we call it the 33rd franchise in the National Football League, uh, what do you get when you draft an Alabama guy? Well, I think you're right on right on topic. It is probably the 33rd franchise. I know this, having spent a couple years with Nick, he's the best I've ever been around as far as developing players, identifying players, giving players tools to improve. What you get with a player out of Alabama is a guy that's been coached to the nth degree and has really been drilled in the fundamentals. A lot of the learning curve is shrunk between where they are at Alabama and when they get to the pros. And that's not the case in most schools. You usually have a giant learning curve. The game is a different pace. Everything about the teaching and learning is different. Not so with an Alabama guy. You know they've been coached uh, probably as good as they'll get in the pros, if not better in some areas. I know this, if you get a defensive back from Nick's team, he's going to be the best he can be at that point in his life. Not to say he can't get better, but he will have been coached up on every element making him better. So 
I think it takes the guesswork out of it. If I had a chance to draft Alabama guys all day, I would, and I would give the rest of the league the rest of the country. That's, that's how strongly I feel about Nick's guys. So, Randy, to go back, and I know you kind of touched on it as we were opening up the conversation. We're talking with Randy Mueller, who is a longtime assistant. Uh, he was the NFL Executive of the Year in 2000. He's been involved with the game since 1983, uh, working all the way to, to current day uh, in, in, in covering football and understanding. When you look at the Nick Saban players and you're trying to evaluate, how much do you look at – I know it's not uh, the same way for every single player – but do you ever look at a player and say, well, there's not much there that we can max him out? Do you have to evaluate those players and say, well, there may not be much ceiling left in a particular player? Is that part of the uh, evaluation? Well, I'm not going to say there's not been a guy or two like that, but I think for the most part you're getting a guy that, like I said, has been coached up to the highest degree of what his physical skills are to that point. A, a body can mature, a, a, a boy becomes a man, a lot more things involved in that guy's curve to the top. So I do think there's a lot of upside with Alabama guys. The best thing is you don't have to take two steps back to teach them fundamentals and the instinctive things. They've been taught ball really well, and you don't have to assume that. You know that. So that's always been a security blanket for me. I know that this guy has a good background, and he's going to have to have thought, process. He's been drilled on making mental mistakes. He's been drilled on all the stuff that we'll do. And it won't be new to him. It'll be old news in most cases. He will have already been through the, the gambit of, of coaching techniques, teaching techniques, all of the above. We're uh, currently talking with Randy Mueller, who has uh, been in the NFL and understands the administration side for it. Uh, let, let's just go back to working with Nick Saban. Um, what's it like? Because one day we're going to understand the way the sausage is made behind the curtain uh, that Nick Saban doesn't allow us to see. So we have to depend on people like you to kind of help us understand uh, you know, what it's like to work for Nick Saban. Can you kind of take us through uh, maybe some of the things that maybe stand out? Well, I can only give you an example of, of my own experience. And when I got with Nick, well, first of all, Nick was the head coach at LSU when I was the GM of the Saints. So we, didn't, we knew each other, but we didn't have a relationship really of any kind. Um, when I went to work for him and he hired me at the Dolphins as their GM, I had 25 years in the NFL in, in my back pocket by then. Like you said, I had been voted NFL Executive of the Year. I had built playoff teams in Seattle and New Orleans before I got to Miami. So I had a fair amount of experience, right? And I will say this, Nick made me better in our two years than I ever thought I could be. So although, like we just talked about, players might reach potential, in my case, my executive career, I had reached a certain potential, he made me way better. And I'll tell you how he did it. He holds you accountable every day for every part of your job. So you have to have your stuff tight. You have to have your stuff in order. You have to be ready for friendly fire some days, but you're going to have your stuff solid. And it made our process in Miami, it made it foolproof, in my opinion. And, and the other thing is, Nick was, was good enough to me that we were able to work together and really expand on his philosophy when it comes to identifying, grading, I, and evaluating players. So we worked together in that regard, and I think he even made his system better. I think he would admit that. So it was a great setup for us. It's a system that if I ever went to another team and had a chance to implement a a process of identifying players and and uh, doing it like we did in Miami, I would use that for sure going forward. So that's how much I thought about it. I, I owe him a lot. Like I said, he, he pushed me beyond my comfort level, which he does with players, coaches, everybody. But this is coming from a guy who had 25 years and before I got there. He made me a lot better. I think that's, that's a good thing, and I'm happy about it. When you see the success, I mean, we're, we're now talking as a college uh, coach that he may be the greatest of all time, and that's not disrespecting anybody else that uh, may have came you know, before he did. Uh, but when you look back at, at some of those things that makes him successful, uh, is there one thing that, that stands above the rest? I think it's the myopic focus day in and day out. Every day is, is – uh is the most important day, and the next day then becomes the most important day. And he breaks down people's life, their jobs, their their uh, ability to improve, uh, all the above, and it does it day by day. So, so we never look at look outside. What do we got today? What do we got today? And the focus that he's able to do, uh, really, uh, on back to back to back to back days, years, weeks, 
it's just incredible. And, and I think Nick would admit this. He doesn't have a lot of outside interest. His interest is right there in that building, wherever it is. And he was able to get that out of most of his people around him. And I think that's what makes him different. It's the focus and it's the consistency. You know exactly what you're getting from Nick and with Nick every day. And, and I loved it because I love the discipline part of it. Well, it's it, well, and, and, and it's it takes a special person to work for Nick Saban. I mean, we've watched coaches uh, that have come in and be like, "No, nope, this is not for me. I'm out of here. One year, I'm done." Uh, but then you see other guys, you know, like Pete Jenkins, uh, which is from the state of Louisiana. You know, we've talked with him. He continues to come back to work for Nick Saban as a consultant, uh, just as another set of eyes. And you hear him, he's like, I enjoy it because I wanted to be held to a different expectation. I wanted yep. to be held to a different standard. So some people crave that, and some people run from it. No doubt. And, and Nick admits it himself. He said, I'm not for everybody. I remember him telling me that when we interviewed together uh, before I went to Miami. He said, it's not for everybody. I like it. In fact, once I left there and went on, and I spent after that 10 years with the Chargers, I would, I would get frustrated because we didn't have the same attention to detail, the same accountability, the same things that I had grown to love and learn with Nick was missing at my next stop for 10 years. And, and I think some of that, it, it, it definitely it definitely stuck with me, and I, and I crave those days. So I understand when a guy comes back and forth with Nick in and out of his program. When you get accustomed to it, I don't think there's any better way. I think it's outstanding. But, again, it's not for everybody. It's just, it, it, I guess that's why Baskin-Robbins has 31 flavors, right? <laughs> Absolutely. We're talking with Randy Mueller. Randy, I, I know we were a little bit late getting to you. I don't want to rush you into some other meeting that you've got. I'd love to be able to spend a couple of extra minutes with you if it's possible. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Uh, and, and Randy, let me ask you this, because you're, you're doing so many different things. I mean, you got a podcast uh, when we talk about uh, just trying to understand uh, the, what it takes. And I, I've told you before that I, I just I find it very intriguing. Uh, but kind of update everybody on exactly what you're responsible for. Uh, it's a great website. I, I'm looking at it. A lot of different things, uh, film evaluation, college workshop, consulting, scouting. I mean, if people have an interest of getting this, I mean, we may have a guy here listening to us that uh, could take the same path as you did, volunteering, becoming a ball boy, working your way up, and and, 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 and being able to become an executive. Uh, what exactly are your responsibilities? Well, what I have is 35 years in the league. That's really all I have, and I like to share that with people, and I can do it in a lot of ways. I do the podcast on the platform of The Athletic with Mike Sando, their national writer, and it's an NFL podcast we do weekly, sometimes twice a week. Um, and then I have MuellerFootball.com where I write on a blog there two or three times a week, just giving you views from the chair of the GM throughout the NFL, things that come up, timely issues, current events, and that kind of stuff. And then I have had it on occasion to go – spend two or three days at different college programs to help them with their evaluating, with breaking down the details of helping their coaches understand what they see on film better from an evaluation standpoint, working with recruiting departments to improve their evaluation and their ability to communicate and set their own criteria for what they're looking for, all kinds of those stuff. And I love that probably as much as anything is being able to share my experiences with a college team or with a college staff doing just that and, and, I, that's been a, a fun thing for me to get out and about. And this is, of course, pre-COVID, but spend a little time with college staffs. And coaches are recruiters and coaches. The evaluating part is a total different element for them. And it's been fun working with them and trying to help them hone their skills as well on identifying talent. We're talking right now with Randy Mueller as we're talking about uh, his NFL days and working with Nick Saban and uh, having a chance to, to dive into a lot of different conversations. Randy, when you look at the quarterback position, why does it make it such a, uh, a difficult position to, I don't know if you want to say evaluate, but it just seems like you, know, you, you, you draft five and you may hit three out of five, you may hit four out of five, you may hit five out of five, but chances are you may be on the other side and you may only hit one out of five when you draft these guys. What makes that position so hard to evaluate and try to project of the success on Sunday afternoon? Well, I think there's a couple things. One is, and I guess it's okay to say it, I think some people are better evaluators than others. Let's just say okay. I think some people have a track record of evaluating quarterbacks that stands out and some have one that sets them back. So, I think you have to evaluate the evaluators when you go through and try to figure out the numbers and have it make sense. The other thing is there's so many elements that are involved in being an NFL quarterback and for a college program as well, that all of these elements have to come together. Some of which have nothing to do with the quarterback. It's the people around him. It's the scheme. It's the instruction he's getting from the coaches. It's all the above that might dictate if a quarterback fails or succeeds at the NFL level. 
And I'm not sure sometimes when quarterbacks, let's just say, fail at one place, they go somewhere else, they're not better served by doing that, just with the change of scenery. I'm not ready to, for example, write off a Carson Wentz or somebody like that, a Matthew Stafford. These guys, I think, are going to be bigger, better players at their next stop. So, so many things that the guys can't control are put around him by the head coach or by a GM, and that's tough to forecast. I think you obviously have to plug these players in to a scheme that exactly accentuates their strengths, and I think I think sometimes that doesn't happen, especially at the quarterback position either. So there's some variables. There's some things that I think uh, that you always come back to the fact that a guy has to be able to process the amount of information is even greater in the NFL. So a guy has to, in my mind, process, and he has to be able to win from the pocket. Those are the two fatal flaws that uh, I think if you don't have those, it's going to be a struggle for you to succeed in the NFL. Randy, there's a future Hall of Famer uh, that we know a lot about because in this area there's an overlap. You've got New Orleans Saints fans that uh, this area is is heavy for, uh, Tennessee Titans, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Drew Brees has celebrated a lot of success. I, I'm curious if you can take us into that process because sometimes we want to make Drew, Mar- uh, Drew Brees the Grand Marshal of the Christmas Parade here in Tuscaloosa because things may have worked out a little bit different in Miami. Uh, <laughs> Coach Saban could have still be there, uh, and, yeah. and, and you know we might not have the greatest dynasty in the history of college sports, but can you kind of lead us into maybe some of those conversations and as you look back and, and you know the, the physicians that uh, maybe helped uh, persuade him to, to, to go somewhere else in that process? Well, I can tell you this, that Coach and I have had a chuckle about it a time or two, that's for sure. Okay, okay. <laughs> so that is true. Um, it's amazing how things work out. But, yeah, I don't think that story is a secret to many, but he was our choice in Miami to be our quarterback when we were there. In fact, Nick and I flew to Birmingham the morning free agency started and had breakfast on the street corner with Drew and his lovely wife and kind of mapped out the strategy for the next couple of days of how we thought it would work, and he was in favor of it. And uh, the first stop was New Orleans. The second stop was Miami. And, and really, I had the parameters of the deal with his agent, Tom Condon, worked out. So the only problem was that he, he had to go past the physical. And as Nick and I waited in the office for the results of that, they, they didn't come back with glowing remarks, that's for sure. So I think if you ask us both, we, we kind of thought we saw a ghost when we hung up the phone with the, with the doctors because we had both uh, assumed that he was going to be a Dolphin the next day and were planning for a press conference. That obviously didn't happen, and, and like you said, history is, is what it is, but it sure changed the course of a lot of people's careers and, and the course of some, you know, like you say, Alabama, Miami, and, and the, the Saints franchise. So what's it like, I mean, as an NFL GM, when you get that phone call from a physician saying, no, I'm not going to sign off on this. Uh, I mean, what's what's that conversation like? Because you definitely want to side with the expert that knows, you know, what an MRI, uh, the fine details, and all that. I mean, what what was the main reason uh, that that maybe they give you, and and then how hard is that? Well, in Drew's case, he had a horrific injury, a shoulder injury with the Chargers, and that was part of the reason that he was even on the street to start with, and. It was a career-affecting injury, I'll say that. It obviously didn't end his career because he went on to bigger and better things, but, but it was a bad injury. And even the Saints doctors, uh, after the fact, obviously Mickey Loomis and uh, my brother, I had all my people still at the Saints when they did sign him, even they had some concerns. The, the difference is, I, I remember hearing Ron Wolf tell the story about when Brett Favre was traded for in Green Bay, their doctors failed Brett Favre, too, on the physical and Ron Wolf was able to fire the doctors and hire new ones, and they passed it. <laughs> we didn't have that luxury in Miami. The doctors in Miami were friends of Wayne Huizinga's, the owner. So we really had no wiggle room at that point. So we had to live with what they said. We understood what they said. Um, we weren't expecting that grieve of a report, that's for sure. Um, it's just the way it works out, and sometimes you have to live with the consequences. It's crazy because a week later we made a deal for a quarterback from the Vikings, Dante Culpepper, who was coming off a horrific knee injury. And our doctors were fine with that. And the truth be known, he never was the same. He never recovered from that knee. Couldn't practice, couldn't do things. And, and so really we were 0 for 2 on medical that, that year. But you might go 10 years and never have an issue with the doctor at all. So it's just different opinions. Like I say, it's, it's, it's the way the world is. It's the way the business world is. And, and definitely the way the NFL is when medical information is, is paramount. There's no doubt. 
So, Randy, here's probably the, the most difficult question. i tell you what, I, I'm actually blown away. Mike Dettelier helped me connect with you, and I do appreciate our friendship with Mike. Mike's a guy that we feature every, uh, every week, and he's kind of a no-nonsense guy. We love uh, his personality, the way that he, he evaluates a game. It's a, you know, he's an engineer, and he gets the, the, the numbers and all the different things that we love to talk about. Uh, but being uh, the NFL GM, and then you're listening to – Oh, these Alabama rumors. Oh, they're wanting to come and get a, get Nick Saban. Uh, can you kind of take us into that office as you hear those rumblings? And, I mean, you've been in the business, as you, we've talked about. I mean, for 35 years, you get it when, you know, a coach may look at somewhere else. Can you kind of take us to that? Well, that was a long time ago. <laughs> sure. I, I do know this. I don't think Nick had any intentions of leaving Alabama. So, I mean, leaving Miami, so. I think it's a credit to Alabama that they were able to put together a deal to to get him and Jimmy Sexton's attention. That's for sure. So uh, I don't, I don't, I wasn't privy to the information. I wasn't privy to the details. But it was a shock for us as well that he left. We struggled a little bit in year two. We we did well in year three. We ended the season. I mean, in year one, we ended the season on a six-game winning streak. We struggled a little in year two, but and we knew there was going to be some rebuilding and some some struggles getting into year three. I just think for Nick, it was timing, it was comfort level, it was a lot of things that I'm sure he's brought up many times there. But um, yeah, it, it was it was a surprise to all of us when he decided to move on. But totally understandable. That's this business, right? I mean, sure. it's all about timing. There's, it's all about timing, and I think the timing was right for him. And it didn't matter if it makes sense to anybody else. Uh, it was what him and him and Miss Terry wanted to do. But I mean, can you remember him walking in and t- addressing and saying, "Hey, uh, I've decided to take the Alabama job." No, I don't believe that ever happened. I okay. think he reached out to people after the fact, after he was already gone. I know I didn't have a, an exiting conversation with him at all. Maybe others did, but I think we were all kind of out in our own world at that point, figuring out what's going to happen next. So uh, I, there wasn't a sit-down uh, church pew-type meeting, uh, I'm leaving to go here or there. That, that wasn't part of the process, at least that I remember. Randy Mueller. I have enjoyed this. Um, I, I've, I feel like I'm pricking the brain of an encyclopedia for 35 years. Uh, I, I, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed this. Uh, I'll say this. I'm going to have to subscribe to the podcast because if this is the type of information uh, that you're you're giving out there on the podcast, i, I got to get more of it. I mean, this is like an all-you-can-eat buffet, and I really appreciate uh, the insight that you pr- uh, provide. Let me invite people for one. They can connect with Randy Mueller underscore on the Twitter side of things, and that'll be a great way to connect with everything. Uh, but he does the Football GM podcast, MuellerFootball.com. He's the CEO there. Uh, he's been with the Dolphins. He's been with the Saints. NFL executive for the Chargers, the Seahawks, uh, which he spent much of his time uh, there in the Pacific Northwest. Randy, I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you, as always, for being a part of the show. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for the kind words, and I look forward to joining you guys again down the road. Please do. Please do, Randy. Thank you. If you're dreaming.